What's going on, guys? AJ here back again with another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast and bringing you yet another episode of Project 2030. And this episode, again, is very, very interesting and special because I have an amazing guest on today's podcast, guys, uh, Anna. Dude, she killed it. You know, she is a, an active student right now. She is uh, already a thought leader at such a young age, and she provided so much detail and context and so much uh, just just capability that I'm just excited for her future and excited for any brand that has uh, the opportunity, the luxury uh, to hire her and have that individual part of their people operations team. And so for those that don't remember it, for those that don't know, uh, and for those that may have forgotten, a Project 2030 is a really simple model, guys. There will be uh, eight week experiences, developments that we help support the next generation of heads of people. But even at the younger level, 21, 19, 23, 25 individuals that are just coming out of university. What I've decided to do over the last year and a half is I've decided to speak at major universities and really provide them the the beginning stages of how to think strategically about this work of people operations, how to think very um, thoughtfully when it comes to putting employees first. And what does that look like internally within the organization? What does it mean to be head of people? What does it mean to be head of people analytics? What does it mean to be head of learning and development? And what does it mean to really, again, have that seat at the table, think very strategically and put people first. And so guys, I'm just really, really, really excited about how today's episode came out because the amount of value uh, Anna was able to to bring today, which is super, super, super uh, beneficial and super amazing. And so what we did on today's podcast is I answered a few questions. Um, She provided uh, me some things that I didn't even know about people analytics and just overall macro uh, HR and, and culture and things of that nature. And then we just riffed it on a few things as well. And so thank you, Anna Wilson from ASU. Uh, thank you for everyone that has ever downloaded this this podcast. And uh, I'll shut up now. I, I tend to, to rant too often. So I'm going to try to stop that and let you guys enjoy yet another episode of Project 2030. Perfect. All right. So like I just told you literally 14 seconds ago, this is really laid back. We are recording. I do appreciate you joining uh, this segment within my overall podcast. Like I told you, Anna, it's called Project 2030. Uh, The mission of Project 2030 is very simple. I have dedicated, we, my partners, uh, Laura, Laura is actually uh, the now a co-founder on a project that we're rolling out within Project 2030. Originally, Project 2030 was nothing more than speaking events at at uh, SHRM chapters at, at pretty major universities, like what I'm hoping we can do. But um, it's a simple concept, right? Over the next 10 years, I uh, and it started in 2020, right? So now next nine years, mm-hmm. I've uh, I've dedicated my 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 life really. I, I want to kind of inspire, educate, and prep the next generation of, of people operation leaders and whatever they're going to be, right? Uh, whether they're really big into people analytics or whether they want to become a head of people or whether they want to be an executive in the learning and development space. I want to kind of educate you guys around a lot of the strategic components and aspects of it really, really early in the process. And then uh, I want to help you guys become an executive in that field uh, a lot earlier in your career than you probably would have expected. And so I want to do that over the next 10 years. So that's why the project 2030 is kind of a cool little name I put to it. So um, I'll stop ranting and I appreciate you joining this podcast. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess tell people uh, who Anna Wilson uh, is and and what you're about and and who you are and and, um, just anything interesting about yourself and, and, and we'll start talking. Okay. Well, yeah, I think, thank you so much for having me. I think that this project 2030 is an amazing thing that you're doing because something that I've noticed is, is young perspectives in HR are not really um, appreciated as much as they, they should be, in my opinion. There's not, 
um, there's not a really great pipeline for young people going into HR. So to have someone that's willing to mentor the the younger perspective is is really a great thing that you're doing. Um, but my name is Anna Wilson. Like you mentioned, I am originally from Fargo, North Dakota, but I am still in college. Actually, I'm a senior at Arizona State University, double majoring in business management and human resources with a minor in communication and a certificate in applied business data analytics. Um, I have always kind of wanted to go in HR since I was a sophomore in high school. I don't really know why it started, but um, I've kind of found over time, this is the area where I can really combine my people skills and combine my passion for business and my my natural leadership skills all in one area and really have an impact on people, right? Because there's, you know, you spend more time at work than you do at home. So um, if I can make that experience any better for someone, that's something that I am really passionate about doing throughout my career. Um, so throughout college, I've been an RA. I've been president of two clubs. Um, most recently, right now, I am the president of the student, the Sherm student chapter at ASU. Um, I have had, I'm on my fourth internship now, um, ranging from just doing university relations to HR operations, talent management, organizational development. So I've really been able to get a unique perspective on HR and see different areas of HR at all vastly different types of organizations. Um, so now here I'm ready to graduate. Um, not sure yet what I'm doing in May. Um, you know, COVID kind of put um, a wrench in my plans, but I'm really excited to get out there and start my career and bring my, my passion for helping people and combining um, the data analytics piece of HR into the workplace. Very, very cool. I appreciate that background. And yeah, it's, um, it, it's an honor, right? I, I'm just thankful that you guys even want to hear from a fool like me. Um, I think, uh, I think I, I think I have a lot of out, of out of the box perspectives. And then also, um, I'm not too much older than you, right? And so that's another thing that I think, um, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of the Sherm chapters and a lot of the students have actually taken a little bit more of a liking to my, you know, just like the way I talk, my conversational style, the references I make, uh, the age, uh, I can just, I, I see, I see things from, from where you guys sit, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if I'm doing the math correctly, you're 21. Yep. Right. So what, what's nine years? It's not that much time, right? I'm, I'm more of a, I'm more of a, a big brother than anything, right? I know a lot of other mentors are probably old enough to be your mom or dad, right? And so, <laughs> Um, I think it changes the dynamic. And so uh, I'm excited to do it. Um, well, let's start here before we go into any of your questions. Um, can I give you a few ideas around you, uh, you getting into the, to the work, work search, right? You're looking for your, your first, your first gig here. You're looking to, to make some relationships. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you thinking that's out of the box? And would you like some new ideas maybe? Yeah. So, um, I found HR is not traditionally a place where many people start, um, but my ideal situation is being within an organization that is going to have a focus on developing me. Um, you know, my my dream job somewhere down the line um, is to be the executive of human resources. And so in order to do that, I want to be in a company that is going to enable me to see different sides, do stress, stretch assignments and utilize my skill set. So um, I'm really trying to bring to the table my analytics perspective. I found that and what I've been told a lot as well is it's hard to find someone who understands the data, who understands the coding, who can visualize things, but who's all also a huge people person, understands the people aspect and why that's important and how that ties into things. So um, that combination I have, I'm really trying to use that um, as my advantage and um, the skills that I bring into the workforce in that way. So um, there's some areas of HR that I'm specifically more interested in than others that really um, light that fire inside of me. But I do see the benefit of a lot of other areas and I'm, I'm a huge learner. I love to, to learn and explore new things and continuously learn wherever I am. And so um, I'm kind of open, open to anywhere at this point, anywhere throughout the U United States, anywhere um, within an industry. I just, you know, it's really that developmental piece that's really important to me. Perfect, perfect. All right, so I'm a couple and, and to the listeners and to you, Anna, if you hear my annoying dog uh, in the background at any point, please do not mind him. That's the COVID world that we're playing in. 
I would typically be at the uh, at the at the podcast studios at my at my former employer's office, but that is not uh, a luxury any longer here. So, uh, Anna, I apologize. Do you hear him at all yet? What's that? I have not heard him yet thus far. Okay, perfect. Oh, perfect. You kind of dropped down there, but I think it's good. All right. So anyway, just want to say to the listeners as well, if you hear him, I do apologize. Um, so first, first really quick tip that is super, super out of the box. Um, are you someone, do you, how comfortable do you think you are when it comes to, like, what's your form of communication or what's your ideal communication preference when it comes to the following categories? Do you think you're a better talker? Do you think you're a better writer? Or do you think you're a really, really natural um, networker? What do you think? And the networking part's really not a communication style. So really let's sit with the two mediums of writing and, and, and speaking slash like recording. Which one do you think is more interesting or more of a natural skill of yours? For me, it's definitely talking um, and, and speaking. I'm not, uh, writing has never been my, my favorite thing to do. So um, I'm definitely more of a talker. Okay. So here's a really, really out of the box thing that I'm literally doing now. And I think I told you about this, Anna. Um, my backup plan, so you know my story, right? So I won't give you the whole rundown, but for anyone that's listening, um, 30 years old, started a company in 19, ran that company until 26, 25-ish really, uh, came up with this grandiose idea to become a head of people, convinced that company to give me a shot, never was in people operations before. So that's my whole story, right? My backup plan though, because when COVID hit, and you know this, Anna, when COVID hit, I was furloughed. So I started three companies with 12 people out of the blues, I was bored. That's really what happened. That's like the fun, creative thing that I tell people. But the, the, the other dynamic of it is I'm actually not as crazy as people think. I have a backup plan. And so here's the tip that I would give you that's part of my backup plan. I have a plan of going back in house that this whole entrepreneurial thing financially at scale doesn't work out, right? And so what I mean at scale is, you know, I'm 30 years old. Um, I wanna have kids probably in the next three years. So finances need to be at a certain level to like create that reality of like kids, the wife, the whole thing, right? Um, so I'll go back in house if that entrepreneurial thing does not create that. My plan to go back in the house is twofold. Number one, my network needs to be a lot deeper than it was when I first tried to go in house, which is where you are now, Anna. You're trying to make your way in house for the first time. My second plan is I needed to um, I needed to cultivate my point of view and make sure employers know that point of view before they even have an opportunity to see me in action. So how was I going to do that? And how was I going to cultivate my network? I said, I want to start a podcast where I learn from people that are doing the things that I, that I want to do. And I ask them very selfish, detailed questions that unlocks best practices, frameworks, perspectives. And then I also want to record um, and speak on micro aspects that I am really great at already that will be my point of view and I will provide tips, frameworks, perspectives so a future employer will listen to that and respect that. And so for me, the tip that I will give to you that I'm clearly doing myself is any company that you think you want to work at, and I know this is a really crazy out of, out of the box perspective, I would try to, I would start a podcast and find someone within the HR department and bring them onto your podcast and talk to them and ask them any selfish question you have around what they do, how they work, and genuinely try to learn from them. This is what's gonna happen. Number one, you're gonna have a direct relationship and a direct connection with someone that's actively working in the company. So you can get in, insider trading secrets, which is a really good thing to have to help you throughout the, the, the recruiting and onboarding process if you actually get yourself involved. Number two, you'll have access to new relationships. Number three, you'll obviously will learn. Number four, what you'll actually be able to do is you'll also be able to have that recording and be able to provide your own perspectives, your own takes, your own nuances, you know, and, and so you'll be able to take that recording and you'll be able to send that to any future employers at that company or other companies that you may want to be involved in. It's a very out of the box perspective, 
but it actually works really, really well now in 2021, right? We're not mm-hmm. in 1987 anymore. We're not in 1993 anymore. We're not even in 2005, 10, 10 anymore. This is a new medium that I think I want to see a lot more, uh, 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 you know, job seekers and applicants utilize. This medium is a great way, again, to build your network, to ask really, really great questions, to continue to learn, and to hone in on your point of view. Also on that podcast, Anna, and then I would love if you have any questions, you want to record individual micro episodes. So you would record three, five, seven minute episodes about certain aspects of, in your case, potentially people analytics or anything else that you're fascinated about, that you have an interesting point of view about. You literally just press record and press play and just start to start ranting and raving about anything that's interesting to you. Because what that hiring manager or that recruiter or your inevitable direct report manager will hear again is your own perspective, your own voice. And they will be able to respect that. And that will give them a lot more information about who you are and who they're hiring and actually who they're bringing into the organization. And that may impact their onboarding processes that they put in place for you. That may impact your role when you get going. That may impact how they view you and how they perceive you when you first get into the organization in a good way. Um, it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's fascinating. I did it when I got my first set of people a job. I'm doing it now as a backup plan. And uh, I'll stop ranting there because I'm sure you have questions. Yeah, um, I think that's such an interesting idea because right now we can see podcasts are on the rise, especially um, through COVID times. People have so much more time on their hands, and they're they're people are listening to podcasts, people are recording podcasts. This is the second podcast I've actually been on, which is super exciting. Um, no, nothing I've ever thought I would ever be able to say I've done. Um, but I'm curious of of your thoughts on. For me, I'm so early in my career that I have. I have my opinions on things and I've seen, you know, seen such vastly different sizes of organizations and um, different HRs. I have definitely my opinions on, on how I, how I think, how I see some things working better and some things not working very well um, and things that I would change uh, once I, you know, once I am to that, that CHRO level. Um, But this early on in my career, my only hesitation with that is that people would look down on the fact that I don't know yet. You know, I haven't had, I know, I know through my experiences I've had thus far, but I don't have that full, full rounded um, years of experience to actually say, okay, well that wouldn't work or that's not realistic or that wouldn't, mm-hmm. you can't just implement that in any organization. Um, so how would you say to kind of overcome that challenge? I have, a, I have a few thoughts on that. So my first macro, like big statement around that is I probably would not want to work for a person that would look down on that, right? So if anyone would look down on you for having that perspective, for anyone that would look down on you for having the boldness, the, the confidence, the, the, the out-of-the-box character and energy and charisma to put out your thought, um, I probably wouldn't want to work for that person, number one. Um, but besides that, though, I respect and have empathy for what you're saying. So if you ever go back and please, I'm, I'm, I'll send you a few of my, my solo episodes. If you ever go back and listen to them, what I do is I always start with one man's point of view, my gut feeling, my perspective, my uh, inkling. I use those words on purpose because what I, I don't want to, I don't want any future employer or any partner, because you know, I'm, I'm always finding new partners and always finding new employees in my projects. I don't want anyone to hold me to that as, as if it's a fact. I'm saying this is one man's point of view. This is my perspective. This is my gut feeling of what I know so far in my very young career. Like you want to use those words. So it's very clear that you are in the mindset that you're still willing to learn. You're still willing to get out of the box and think, but this is right now what your point of view is. The third thing I would say is when you're bringing these folks onto the podcast, and even when you're recording your solo episodes, you want to find companies that actually respect the fact that you even have a point of view at a young age. Because here's what's going to happen, Anna. If you have people that can respect the fact that you have a point of view at a young age, you're going to be able to find, you're going to be able to find the companies um, that also have individuals within that organization that have a similar point of view, right? And so that's the thing. You want to find internal executives 
direct reports that you will be working for that can appreciate that point of view and say, you know what, Anna, I, I, I hear you're going with that, but here's how I would tweak this a bit. And maybe let's talk about that, right? Like, I, I see where you're going and I appreciate you taking that, taking that shot at, at sharing your, your experience, your perspective, but here's a different way to look at it. Anyone that, again, and I'll say this and I'll double down on this, anyone that would look down or be upset or, 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 or not respect you going out on the limb and sharing that point of view, I personally would not recommend you work for that type of individual. The great companies, the great leaders would be like, wow, I really appreciate the fact that you have that point of view. Let me kind of put my arm around your shoulder for a bit. Let me walk down that path for you a little bit. And let me show you some other options connected to that point of view that maybe you didn't see previous. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that does. And um, I've definitely seen too within HR right now, there's a huge divide. It almost feels like between um, companies who have converted to the new HR and companies who um, are still in that, that more so compliance space, mm -hmm. not as specialized, um, not people focused HR. And so I think for me, um, a question I have is, is based on that, how, how do I know what companies are like that, right? Because I know, of course, I can talk to people at the company and, and learn that way. But when there's so many organizations out there and so many possibilities, it's really hard to decipher who's in that 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 older mentality and who's shifting to this future of HR mindset. You won't know until you get in there. And I know that's not the answer that you wanted to hear, but that's the, that's the truth. Anyone else that gives you a different answer, I'm not gonna say they're gonna lie to you, they're going to give you an answer that is a bit fluffed and a bit and a bit exaggerated. And this is what I mean. There are different ways to know. You can look at the job description. You can look at other job titles and roles within the company and read the description is there. You could talk to people internally that work there. You could talk to them throughout the onboarding process and ask very unique questions. And that would probably be the best way. Actually, let me pause on that one. What would be a question that you would ask? Let me put you there. Let me... And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but maybe let's just be creative here. What would be a question you would ask? And if I remember correctly, people analytics is more of where you really want to sit, correct? It's an area that I'm interested in, but I do have some hesitation with pigeonholing myself within that area. So um, I'm- No worries. I, yeah, I would consider, I would definitely consider going in that area, but I, no matter what role I'm going to be in, I will bring my people analytics skills with me. Right. Um, so I think someday I'll touch that. Um, but even, even if I'm in recruiting, for example, you can bet I'm going to be doing analytics based on time to fill, right? So um, somewhat, but yeah. So what's a, what's a traditional aspect of people analytics or even recruiting that, or even employee engagement that you have heard of or that you've seen in real time? And then what's a more new aged approach that is probably the type of company you would want to work at? What's, what are two different, what are, what are, what are, what's one outcome with two different approaches to get there? Mm -hmm. Well, Do you so have I any examples? I've seen like for, for some companies, for example, the way that I've been able to determine their, their HR in their HR philosophy is kind of looking and asking questions about the structure um, and mm -hmm. how, how they structure HR, because a lot of, a lot of organizations are moving towards the central, the specialized approach where you have, you have your business partners and then you have your talent management team, you have your recruiting team, you have learning and development. Um, and in the HR business partner, they're the, the customer facing role, whereas other organizations may have um, still be in the HR generalist. And, you know, the, the one person does all kind of approach. And, and what I've seen is that doesn't always work as far as continuous improvement and being able to quickly go forward and, and reach for the future when you have when you have such a wide scope. And so mm. um, learning the structure, I think, has helped me kind of decipher that. But also I like to I'm a very big thinker, very future oriented thinker. And so a question that I really enjoy asking people when I meet with them is what what's the future? What do you see your team or your area going to in the next five years? And if they can't give me an answer or it doesn't seem like there's there's really many things that they're striving for, I can kind of I can kind of decipher with that way of of what what their approach is to HR. That's perfect. And then you know what I also want you to do? Do you have a pen 
or maybe even like you're probably at your computer so pen that's so old pull out your iphone and click the notes tab that's what i do i said do you have a pen i don't know anyone do you, do you still take notes with a pen actually um i am i enjoy having sticky notes all over the place and legal pads but other than that one note is my best friend so <laughs> okay well so a couple so i'm working on this project so um uh, let me do a quick plug for the for the listeners here and then and then i'll tell you this is for you too uh what am i trying to say oh the e1b2 collective consists of beyond resume beyond brand um beyond resume beyond brand studios startup ex monday anticipation and project 2030 there it is five five different things right um that's a little bit of a plug sorry anna um and then Within that though, what I'm most excited about, and here's the direct tip for you, beyond resume is really important. Beyond resume is what I wanna try to talk to you about just for a moment here, why I should get your notes out or your, your pen or whatever the case is. It shifts the employer-employee relationship. So what you're talking about is how do I find the companies that are, really, that are really gonna be the best fit for me and where I'm going? What I try to teach people within beyond resume is that's not an option, that is a necessity, that is, that is a fact. What I mean by that is a lot of, you know, a lot of job seekers and a lot of young folks that are coming out trying to find jobs, they're always looking for those companies. Well, I wish I could find this, or I wish I could find that, or I hope I can find a company that reflects the values and perspectives. And those things should not be negotiated. Those should be non-negotiable. I need these 12 or these 18 or these, or these seven types of things that really, really, really fit where I'm trying to go and what I'm trying to do. Uh, does that perspective make sense before I get into the details? Yeah, yeah, that does. Perfect. Um, so let me give you a couple categories. Uh, contextual financial needs, workflow. Let me pause with workflow. Do you think you have a good understanding of how you work best? Like Some the flow? somewhat but i'm learning um it depends on the environment that i'm in and it definitely has shifted with covid so i'm gonna go Perfect. somewhat on that but but right now though you probably have a iteration 1.0 you probably mm -hmm. if i if i were to have you write out your ideal workflow you probably have an iteration 1.0 and it's like hey this may change but based off what i know right now 21 years this is how i work best right mm -hmm. yeah also with the type of companies you're looking for from an HR perspective, right? Mm -hmm. You want to find, you you probably have, if, if I were to have you sit down and really write it out and really be thoughtful, you know, the exact type of innovative, creative HR department, team, company perspective that you really would like to work mm -hmm. in, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now that you need to lock that in your head. That's, that's a non-negotiable. It's not a, well, if I find the right situation or how do I find out? It's like, no, that is what it is. And here are questions that I'm going to ask. And here are things that I'm going to do to try to figure out if that is what it is. So that should be involved. Um, your direct report communication style. With previous internships and things of that nature, do you ever feel like, you, do you feel like you have a really good sense of how you would like your direct report to communicate to you? Um, and here, I'll give you a couple examples around that. How they should communicate changes to you. How they should communicate like performance and feedback, if you're not doing something correctly, how they should communicate overall just to develop you and support you in any way. Do you think you have a, a good, good, good kind of feel on what works and what doesn't work for you personally? Oh yeah, absolutely. Right, so perfect. You need to figure that out and, and like actually articulate that career map. You have a good idea, again, iteration 1.0 of where you think you wanna go career-wise and what you need to learn along the way. So like right now, let's just try this. Do you think you have three things tangibly right now that you would want your organization to teach you tangibly? Like, like, like maybe even outline them right now. Like what are two or three tangible, like operational things that you need to have, not a nice to have, like an absolute must that your direct report or that your team within this organization would need to, like you would need to walk away a year from now saying, I've learned these three things in my first year at this company. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the team I'm on, right? In the area of HR. Um, for me, I really want to, 
I want whatever team I'm on, I want to learn really in depth what they do. But for me, I'm really big on the why. Um, because I'm a big picture thinker, I think having the piece of the why behind how the decisions are made or why things function the way they do is really important to me. Um, and I want a team that's going to provide me that understanding and, and willing to think through it with me. Um, and I really, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, so I was going to say, pause right there. You see how vital that was, the why. So mm -hmm. what would you need out of a leader? You would need a leader in the interview process. You would say, actually, let me stop. I'll let you do Let me be more of a facilitator and I'd answer for you. What would you say in an interview to, to explain that you're looking for a leader that is willing to unpack the why? What would you say to make them understand that that's important to you? I mean, I think even looking at my my past and my my workplaces, when I I'm a very continuous improvement focus. And I think my analytics kind of plays into that, but I'm always questioning the why. I mean, and so the positions where I've thrived the, the best is when someone's willing to give that to me. And so for me, I think I would just convey that that is, that is how I work best. And that's how I hone in on my skills. My skill set is, is looking at things critically, looking at things analytically and saying, okay, why are we doing it this way? Is it more efficient to do it another way? And so I think for someone to even use my skills to the best of the ability, I need someone who's going to be transparent with me of why we do the things that we do and, and provide that understanding. Um, in, instead of just kind of brushing over and saying, okay, well, this is kind of how it's always been. And so with that, I, I do need an organization that's willing to change and open to change and, um, and continuously innovating as opposed to like sticking in the, the same old ways. And, and, and to that point, right, that's a non-negotiable. And so here's what I mean by this, Anna, like what you just said, if I'm you, this is not a negotiation. This is what I need because you know you work best and that's really what you need for your, your future and your career, right? Now, you may or may not have said that, right? Now, how you said, how you communicated, what your body language looks like is different because I know what I just did is can be pretty intimidating, but that should be a non-negotiable for you. Like if, if you guys do not have leaders within your organization today that are willing to understand that perspective and are willing to respect that point of view that I need, then doesn't mean you're a bad company, but that's just not the right fit for me at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll give you a couple other ones just to keep it, because there's like 18 categories here, but I'll keep it brief with a, a few more because it'll take forever. Um, uh, you know, direct report one-on-ones, right? So there's a certain structure around how to go about a one-on-one -on -one that may fit you personally, right? And so mm -hmm. I'm not talking about like development, traditional quarterly one-on-ones where they give you the good, bad, the ugly. I'm talking about mm -hmm. Do you, are you the type of person that likes pulse? Are you the type of person that likes a random phone call in the evening, a random email? Do you like structured pulse meetings? If it is a structured pulse meeting, how often? Every week, every other week? What type of development points, what type of topics do you want your direct reports to talk to you about? What are they asking you? How are they pushing you? How do you appreciate being pushed? What's, what's an example of going a little bit too far? What's an example of being right there in a good place? Everyone likes to be developed and learned differently um, mm -hmm. or, or developed and taught differently. Um, rewards and recognition are a great thing to unpack for yourself. Like, how do, you, how do you motivate me contextually? How do you reward me personally contextually? Meeting structures, um, real life support, right? So like, for example, you know, I think COVID has taught organizations to ask the question of like, in the case of an emergency, in the case of a global disaster in the case of your sister or your your husband or your mother or your father is sick what do you need personally for you to be okay do you need to kind of be more of a flex with the remote do you need us to create a situation where you know you can you can not go to work for a couple of days but still get be flexible with the way that you get things done um all these things that i just listed off are like a part of the beyond a resume type thing that i try to help you know, applicants and, and job seekers unpack and understand. I do that because if you understand kind of those categories, what I just listed off, it pushes you and forces you to be super intentional about what you personally selfishly need for you. And going into that organization, you respectfully in the interview process, explain these things. And if they seem a little bit flustered or a little bit annoyed or a little bit confused 
about what these things are, then, then you know this is not a good place for you. Because mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, Anna, all those things I just listed off and a few of the things you just kind of said to me in that facilitation moment, those things would make you what? A more engaged employee, a more dedicated employee, a better employee. Um, mm-hmm. And you see why those, you see why I call it a non-negotiable? It's not that I'm trying to throw my ego in the ring here. It's more of like, no, this is a non-negotiable because if I don't have these things, I'm not going to be as engaged. I'm not going to be as productive. I'm not going to be mm-hmm. as locked in. And then you want that as an employer. You want me to be that. And I promise you, if I am that, I'll be the best freaking employee you've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Are, are there any other kind of, now that you kind of get that energy that I'm going for, what, what would be some other non-negotiables walking into this, this new career of yours that you yeah, would need I'm- from a leader? Yeah, I think for me, like I I touched on that why I think I need someone who's going to be I'm I'm very passionate about transparent leaders. Um, I think all the way up to the C-suite, I think as transparent as you can be, you should always give that why behind employees because they're they're there's even been studies, right, to show that people are more likely to not only comply, but go along with and be excited about changes when they understand the why behind things. And I've seen that firsthand a lot throughout um, my career thus far. Um, and so I think I want someone who's going to be very transparent with me. Um, and as far as feedback, someone who's who's going to develop me and give me the opportunities to do stretch opportunities and think of me as a longer term employee for the organization and not just selfishly within their team, right? I think that's something that leaders can get caught in is they don't wanna lose the, the high performers, but ideally if the organization has the right mindset, they want the they want the high performance to continue to improve and put them yep. in different situations where they're gonna learn. And um, being in an organization that has that mindset is really important to me um, because like I mentioned, being pigeonholed is something that uh, I really am trying to stay away from. Um, but I think for me, I. I value very transparent feedback. And I think a lot of times people don't tend to give feedback that they don't think can change anything, right? Like they'll say, okay, do do this in your deliverables instead of this, or make sure you um, start your day with this instead of this, right? They give very surface level feedback. But for me, I really enjoy, as someone so early on in my career, if I'm doing something a certain way or acting a certain way or anything, I am so, um, I am so, so, easy to mold right now, right? I, I'm not stuck in my ways. I haven't been doing this for 20 years and that's why mm. I'm gonna only act this way. And so I really value, I think it's, it might be some somewhat controversial within teams, but I really value a leader who's gonna come to me and tell me those things that, that to them it hurts to say, right? They don't wanna like be, be brutally honest with feedback because they think, oh, well, that's just, you know, you're focusing, you're supposed to focus on the behavior, not the individual, but for for me, my professional, my professional individuality can change so much within the next five years. And so I want someone to be honest with me of how I'm coming off of, of who I am. Um, and I know for me, I'm a very strong believer in be your authentic self in the workplace. Um, something that I have come to realize that I don't enjoy, and I don't think many people enjoy, but it's the bureaucratic and, um, and the politics, right, of of corporations. Um, I've never I've never understood why someone goes into a meeting and before the meeting they take a deep breath and just say, "I'm just gonna fake it till I make it. I'm gonna pretend like everything's okay. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna be as professional as, as possible." To me, it you know, I'm me whether I'm talking to my direct supervisor or whether I'm talking to the CEO, right? Maybe the maybe the wording I use maybe a little bit different. I may speak a little bit more professionally as far as casually, but what I'm saying is essentially the same. I'm not going to go and pretend everything is is amazing and sunshine just because of who I'm speaking to. Um, I believe in a very transparent organization and being yourself. And so someone who can respect that and understand that I think is is the right leader for me. Indeed. And you see, you see, you see, and this is what I'm, you probably already had this about you, but I'm hoping I did a little bit of this is, I feel like a little bit of a battery just kind of, kind of got like jolted in your back as you were talking <laughs> there. It seemed like you were kind of revving up a bit in a good way. 
right? Like you were getting more and more clear about exactly what you needed and being super, super, super intentional down to the minute details. And that's all I'm asking out of you and every other employee that's walking into a new job or a new career. Because here's the last question I'll ask you and then pull up maybe some of those questions and we'll get to some of those. If those things don't happen, Anna, what are you willing to say? This is what I've done. I walked into my first interview as trying to be ahead of people. And I said, and I went over these 18 categories. Like I literally have, I'm looking at 18 right now on my computer. I have my onboarding needs, my meeting structure, my workflow, my contextual financial needs, my real life support needs. I went through a whole list. And I said, everything coming out of my mouth, again, it's not a negotiation. These are the things that I personally need that make me feel good. Now, mm -hmm. if for whatever reason, you guys are not living up to this, this part. And trust me, I'm going to do my part to tangibly live up to your expectations. But if this ever doesn't come to fruition, and I told them this, I said, I typically have a 90 day window of time where I like to see behavior change. And if I don't see that, and if I don't feel that, I am quick to remove myself from environments because I know the negative implication it does to my mental health and my energy. And I don't want to be a burden to you guys. I don't want to be anything less than an exceptional employee to you guys, thus tangibly directly. And I'll look Kevin in his face. If I don't see any changes, I will leave your company within three months of that time of me not seeing the things that I will need. And I will consistently remind my direct reports and my fellow, my fellow colleagues of what I need and what I expect from them. Because, and sorry to everyone that may be listening to this for Anna, I have to curse a little bit. I bet, you know, you, you bet your ass that I'm going to do the same for you guys. If you need anything from me, if you need me to change my communication style, if you need me to change the way I'm doing a one-on-one -on -one with you, if you need me to change my workflow or change the way that I can support you better contextually, you bet I'm going to do the same for you. And I expect that. And if I don't see that, I'll give it about 90 days to make a real behavior change and I'll support you and have empathy for that. But if I don't see it, I'll leave. And you see that part, Anna? A lot of people aren't willing to go that far. Now, mm -hmm. this is what I'll say. And I have to brace this one. This is me being politically correct. To Mr. and Mrs. Anna's, you know, parents and her future employer, anyone else that may or may not listen to this, I'm not, I need to be on the record for this. I am not recommending she does everything that Anthony over here has done, but I do recommend that she takes something from this conversation to be super intentional and super transparent because the brand deserves it. And more importantly, Anna, you deserve it. Because mm -hmm. that little piece I just outlined, there's no reason in such a young career to stay within a company for two to three years, miserable inside because the workflows aren't designed for you to be at your best, because the communication is not designed to be at the best, the day-to-day -day culture and the dynamics with your leader are not designed for you to be at your best, the, the bureaucracy and all the other things are not designed for you to be at your best, why would you stay? It makes no sense to you. You're not being the best employee that you can be. It makes no sense to your future career. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm ranting now. Do you have any thoughts on that last piece, though? Yeah, I mean, I think ideally that that's a situation I would really like to be in. And I, um, I think what's really difficult is even though you may be in an organization like that, it's so dependent on the leader, right? And what the what the specific leader does and, and who they are. Um, and I think it's really evident in the younger generations that this is kind of a mindset that people are having because you know people aren't company loyal anymore. They're not staying someplace for 30 years, they're moving jobs or, or industries or companies every two to three years. And I mean, even that now seems like a long time for a lot of people. And so I think in an ideal world, I would have all of the things that I, that I want, the non-negotiables. And I, um, you know, unfortunately started my career, I think I'll be able to find most of them. But I do think there's, there's a, a point where, and I know we've talked about this before, at a point where you say, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to take that risk. And if I don't feel like it's all there, um, you know, you set a date for yourself. And by that date, if you don't find it, then you you just go forward and, and go with go with the, the best option that you have. And I think no matter what, for me, I have ways that I identify that I work the best, but I know somewhere down the line in my career, there is going to be a position that I am in and I don't 
I'm, it's not meeting all my needs. However, I do think in those, in those roles that pushes me to learn the most, right? When I'm mm. with a manager that I don't agree with, or that I don't work the best with, that pushes me to learn how to communicate with other communication styles. And that mm. learns yes. And it, it helps me pick up on those things that when I'm in the future, when I am a leader, when I have subordinates that are not the same communication style as me, how to work with those people and how to communicate best with those people. Yep. What are, um, pick two or three questions here that are, that are super, super, super important to you that we can riff on. Um, what are two or three questions or two or three topics that are, that are important? Let's do this. One really, really crucial question for you that if I were to answer would make you smile inside forever. And then one topic that maybe you can extract the audio and that would be a point of view that you could share with the film, with the future employer that really kind of proves to that employer that you have some chops and you should be hired. Okay. Um, I would say for my question, I know that you, um, you're very passionate about, about, focusing on your people, right? And, and developing your people, whether that's a small business or a large business of bringing that into the workplace through, through your experience, you've seen how crucial that can be. I'm curious of, you know, through the work that you do, how do you show people who are not, you know, let's say you're working with a small business and they're having trouble with their people, but they don't realize the core of it or something like that. How do you show to non-HR people the value of HR and the value of working um, and focusing on your people? Um, I show it two ways. Number one, everyone that works with me, and this is the number one tip that I will give you, everyone that works with, with me, they know that I have the ability to at a macro strategic level, which is most important in anything, right? And so everyone, everyone gets hyped up, Anna, on being an individual contributor and being able to jump and take a task from A to Z by yourself. And I believe that's very important. But what people don't realize are individual contributors, Anna, are actually led by strategists. The people that sit at the top, the C-suite, they're not A to Z folks anymore. You know what they are? They're nothing more than strategists, big ideas. They understand processes. They understand frameworks. They understand the A to Z verbally, but they don't actually have to be the ones to go through the A to Z process themselves. And that's where I sit. And so for me, the number one thing that allows me to not have to deal with what you're talking about is kind of like the seat at the table issue or the buy-in issue from other departments and other leaders that maybe are not speaking your language. The way I get past that is actually a, a, an answer that you probably wouldn't expect. They know, these individuals that I'm talking about, they know that I can jump into any department of the company and be a, and be a mid-level strategist and, and be competent enough to get hired. So I can go into the finances, I can go into the tech, I can go into sales, branding, marketing, operations, uh, probably not legal, uh, I can go pretty much into the department of a company and tangibly have a very nuanced, thoughtful, educated, strategy-based conversation that can move the needle for a company. And that's because I've built two companies early in my career. And that's because behind the scenes, Anna, I constantly, constantly learn about every single piece and nuance of a company, understanding cash flow understanding influencer marketing, understanding what's happening with Clubhouse, understanding new branding tactics, understanding new uh, new partnership models that will work to kind of speed up the process of growing an organization but saving cash from the bottom line. Like all those things, Anna, I recommend you behind the scenes learn. Start a little business on the side, Anna. Find a company that is that that will give you shadowing opportunities to sit into the marketing department, sitting as the branding department, sit, sit with operations, go over to tech, go over, you know, whatever the case is going to be. Um, I believe it is so vital to understand all the dynamics of a company because what's going to happen is if anyone starts to question any perspective you have around what's the true ROI, which I think you're really asking, they're probably not going to push as hard. Because the amount of like, the amount of camaraderie and emotional glue and connection and eye to eye seeing that you will have with that person will be a bit deeper and a bit stronger because they're going to respect you, Anna, because they're going to know that you know your stuff. I was going to curse there. 
sorry. Uh, uh, they're going to know that you know your stuff. They're going to know that you actually can jump and have a very thoughtful conversation and understand at a high level what it is they're talking about as well. Um, and that and that garners a lot of respect. Have you heard that point of view before? Yeah, I mean, that's something that I've heard is is kind of growing in importance, right, is understanding the business. And that's something that a lot of, um, you can't really be a super successful HR leader unless you understand the business. And that's why someday um, I really want to go get my MBA um, and learn, you know, have that well-rounded vision of the business. But that's why, like I said, having an organization that's going to allow me to do stretch assignments and learn different areas and network and understand different teams, I think is really important. Started behind the scenes now though, Anna. Don't wait for the MBA and don't even wait for the company. Behind the scenes now. Every single day I wake up at 6 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. I study. There are white papers, Anna. There are frameworks. There are case studies. There are YouTube videos. There are podcasts. Get on LinkedIn and get mentors in your corner. I will be that for you. Have somebody that runs a social media agency give you some, give, give you some advice three, four times a year. Have someone that is that is a COO at a company, uh, you know, join your podcast if you decide to start one and interview that that individual. Um, don't wait for the MBA. Don't wait for the company to do it. You do it behind the scenes. Put yourself on an IDP plan. Put yourself on a growth and learning and development plan behind the scenes and learn those things. Um, and again, Anna, expect that from your your next employer. Seriously. Like if that's something you realize is really, really important to you to understand the business, your first job right out the gate, Anna, say, I need to have an opportunity to jump into every department of this company and have a minimum of one week of shadowing or at least a minimum to build a relationship there and have a couple, grab a cup of coffee after hours and ask them any question under the sun. Is that the type of culture that you guys have here? Because that's so vital to me. Um, the second answer to your question on that is, and, and if I'm if I'm understanding correctly, you're really asking how do I how do I maintain that seat at the table slash how do I get that buy-in? Is that really what you're kind of asking? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting with with some larger organizations, right? They already have it, but mm. especially in your smaller in the smaller companies, they don't realize this. Given that most people who start companies don't necessarily have an HR background, yeah, um, you know how how do you tell them or convince them or show them that that you do need to focus on your people, whether you have whether you have twenty or you have twenty thousand, like it's still it's still an important aspect of the business. I got you. Show them, show them the financial implications. So that's why it's actually connected to the conversation we just, just had, the tips I just gave you. Show them A to Z what it looks like to not have a great uh, employer retention strategy. Show them A to Z what it looks like to not have a great employer branding um, uh, program in place. Thus, you're actually only interviewing the best of the best and those that are super, super engaged because you show them through A to Z how expensive and costly it is to uh, to recruit, to hire, to onboard. Show them how expensive it is to not have a great leadership program in place where you're developing leaders day in and day out, which is affecting your retention, which is affecting your attrition. Show them the numbers. Show them how it hits the bottom line. There's mm -hmm. so much data, so many blogs, so many white papers, so many frameworks on how to do that, Anna. I can send you some, find that information, a lot of that is in the people analytics space as well. Um, every single time anyone challenges you around anything or doesn't believe in something, show them straight up, black and white, numbers, how it affects the, the financials, how it affects the bottom line, how it affects, you know, how it affects, you know, the, the employee's perception of the brand, right? And how that can impact their the employee mentally checking out and slowly but surely the productivity dropping off each month and show them show them the the, the performance improvement plans that these individuals are on show them the delay of the work show them how this employee in months january february march and april were doing amazing and now in the last four months their their productivity the the reports from their direct reports have been showing how they've been just been not engaged they've been calling out a lot like there's a lot of data that you can prove to these folks that ever try to, um, yeah, ever try to disrespect you, Anna. That's the, that's what I'm thinking. Like, don't ever let somebody play you, Anna. 
Like, because uh, that's what I think it is. Like when anyone tries to knock me or tell me that what I'm talking about is not an important conversation, I kind of take that personally. So I don't know if that was helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting too, because people are, are now starting to see the value of HR and um, something that one of my professors had said that really stuck with me and, and showed me even, even more so the importance of analytics is, you know, you never give a marketing VP a million dollars to go work on an ad campaign and not ask them what the ROI is, right? But HR has been getting away with that for so many years of no one has asked them, okay, well, what's the data? Like, how, how is this really improving our workers? You know, is it, is it making a difference? And I think that's a, a really cool transformation that, um, that companies are going through now is, is now finally being able to have numbers and tie a number to engagement and how, how much retention costs and turnover costs. And, um, and I think that's a really cool area of HR that things are, are now moving towards and is becoming a lot more common. And the number one thing, Anna, before uh, you share with me just a tip or a perspective that, again, maybe you can clip and you can use and your, uh, your search here moving forward just to show people you have some chops here because I would love to learn from you if you have any thoughtful ideas or perspectives. Um, ooh, my ADD, kicked, my ADD kicked in. What was I going to say? Hold on, Anna. I'm going to find it here. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, you were just talking about uh, the data analytics. Da, da, da. Oh, everything needs to go through the employee. Every so, so going back to the, the name of my company, the E1B2 Collective, employees first. Everything goes through the employee first. And I can give you some examples. Everything goes through the employee first when you're designing an onboarding process or redesigning your onboarding process. Everything goes through the employee first when you're redesigning or, or structuring for the first time your DE&I initiatives. Everything goes through the employee first when it comes to structuring your people analytics and what you're going to be what you're going to be tracking, what you're going to be measuring. And what I mean by go through the employee first is this: asking and and letting and pushing the employee to be the guiding force of the inevitable outcome of the strategy. So, mm -hmm. for example, with onboarding or employer branding, like I'll give you a perfect example. What I'm doing with Beyond Brand Studios right now. I'm asking employees right now, when you are first hired, what are some things you wish you would have heard? What are some things you wish we would have said to you? What are some things that, you know, we've, we've done well that we should never remove out of our process? Let your employees guide your strategy. Let your employees be the inevitable decision makers of what the strategy and the structure is going to look like. The data needs to come from them because at the end of the day, without those folks there, you don't have a company. And that's just a fact. And I'm seeing too many leaders in the people operations department and at the company at a macro reading a Forbes article, reading a Sherm article, uh, listening to other folks about what they're doing at other companies. Anna, the best piece of advice I can give you, mind your business. And what I mean by that is do what's best for your people. And, if pe and, and the way that you do that is by asking the questions of your 1,000 employees asking the question of your 600 employees, not, not the data on the employees at a macro level across the world, the people that are actually in your company today. Because those people right now, their complexities, their families, their relationships with, relationship with your leaders, their, their relationship with your brand, the complexities, the dynamics, the context, those individuals are your 600, not the macro world 600, not what the data says at scale, what does the data say about your people right now? And allow that to be the strategy that you use. So that's what, when people hear me say E1B2, that's actually what I mean operationally, not just the nice to have fluffy foosballs and, 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 and organic coffee and muffins and I, I love you forever type things that people think about. I'm more or less, I'm just going to talk to my employees before I even make a decision. I want to, before I even set a strategy in, I'm going to ask every single one of my employees of what they need from this particular initiative. And I'm going to use that as a guiding force. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right too. A lot of companies are always just looking at what's what's in the news, right? What's the most um, trendy thing in HR or whatever aspect you're looking at and, and where a lot of 
other companies are going, but I think that's a really good point of you need to look at for you, right? And for, you can show, one of my, my managers recently said that, you know, you can show in the, the studies how employee engagement can impact retention and productivity. And you can show those numbers, but the most impactful is when you actually do the calculations for that organization and say, no, this is not what the studies say. This is for us, right? This is what, this is if we do this, this is how it'll impact us. And I think that's um, definitely the most impactful way to convey um, convey data and, and really get get leaders on board with with looking at the people and what the people need in the organization that you're at. Exactly. All right, Anna, you're up here. What's what's something you want to teach me? What's um what's something that you want to have on the record here that proves your chops? That that's something you've learned, something you just want to talk about, and 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 the tip that you want to give to your future employer and just this the the, the future uh, of work overall. Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit of what we've talked about, right, HR analytics is so immensely underutilized. You know, I, I go into organizations and and I did this in one of my internships, I was able to do some coding and I saved 2000 business hours, 2000 business hours by solving a problem that they couldn't solve. They had 40,000 missing fields. They couldn't figure out how to fill them. They needed it done. They needed a turnaround. They couldn't figure out how to do it. And I think, you know, I use- How much money is that, Anna? Just, that, just appro I'm, approximately. I mean, depending on on the salary of the of the person, but I mean, that could be, you know, that that's a whole person's salary, right? So- It's, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars easily. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I did it, I did it in a night and I taught someone else how to do it. And I think what's, what's crazy is that was with that at that point was with two coding assignments, very basic coding. And now I'm learning a whole, a whole other class um, about just strictly because I want to learn coding. Um, but I think what I have noticed every single role I've been in in HR there is so much potential for efficiency and it's just not being acknowledged, right? You can, it's so inefficient in the way that people do things and, and the, the programs that they use and it's not cohesive throughout the, throughout the HR department. And I think that's something that, um, that HR leaders really need to look at is how can we streamline what we have and how can we make it consistent throughout and make it most efficient for the users. And I found, you know, you look at HR analytics and a lot of people think of even dashboards and I love dashboards. I love Power BI, I love Tableau. I think that's amazing. Um, but if you don't have a cohesive way that all of the leaders are using it and a cohesive way for someone to understand it, it's never going to work. And I think even within teams, people need to more critically look at things of a lot of, a lot of HR departments have these processes that, like I said, is just, we do it because that's how it's always been done. But I think coming in and having someone from the outside look at things and say, okay, well, why is it done this way? Why is this the most efficient? Um, I think can really give you a, a different perspective on things and you can leverage that and save time and time and efficiency turns into dollars, right? And, and I think I'm really excited for the future of HR to shift to this area where we can focus more on actually the strategy behind things as opposed to just the compliance and clicking things on your computer and doing this because your HRIS system, that's all you can do. And it's so, it's so clunky and, and out of date, right? And I think a lot of people are hesitant to invest in HR and invest in the systems and the software that you need. But, you know, long-term it's the, it's the ROI, right? You have that investment in the time that you save. And I think that's an area that I'm really excited to get into, but I challenge a lot of people, whether it's a, whether it's a really small company or a large company to really look at your processes every two years, right? And just say like, is there a more efficient way to do things? Why are we doing it this way? Um, because it's so, you would be shocked at, you know, me coming in as bringing that young analytics focused perspective. And at, at the beginning of my career, I had very basic skill set in Excel and be able to even use what I had to 
to save business hours and have an actual impact that I could really see was so, it, it was just so shocking to me of that as such a young person, how, how I could change things. And so I think that's something, especially for you, as you go into these smaller organizations is to not forget about the analytics and not forget about the efficiencies, because at some point in time, after doing some things for so long, people just don't think about it anymore. And I think people get scared of, of things changing, but, um, you know, I would encourage people to embrace that change and always critically look at things and see how you can improve it and use analytics or use data or use Excel to make things more efficient. A thousand percent, Anna. I love this. And uh, thank you so much for joining today's podcast. Do you have any, have any last thoughts, uh, parting words? Um, I, I think for me, I want to say this, Anna, whether it's writing, whether it's a blog, whether it's a podcast, uh, the, the, the professional development tip I would, I would give to you is get your thoughts out via LinkedIn. Put them out daily, put them out weekly, start a podcast, start writing, um, start strategically networking long-term, put together like a, like a board of advisors around you of folks that you wanna learn from consistently. Um, remember the beyond brand stuff that we talked about, be super, super intentional. Create those non-negotiables, you know, stick to those too. Like mm -hmm. be very, very accountable to yourself on those. And um, I don't know, anything else you want to share and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I'm definitely going to be focusing on in, in the semester, despite my insanely packed schedule. Um, I'm, I'm going to really try to prioritize getting my voice out there and, and networking more and utilizing my LinkedIn more than, than I currently am. Um, and so... I, I appreciate you you speaking to me. It's it's great as always, um, and and really great to hear your perspective. And I hope um, you know for anyone out there listening, um, connect with me, share your perspectives. I I love learning. I love asking the why and the future, and and just hearing what people are doing and why and how. Um, and so find me on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a great time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. All right, we'll talk soon.